Welcome to another episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast that features those who take a leap of faith to follow their dreams and passion. My name is Kelsey Cooper, aka The Social Broker, and I'm excited to interview a fellow bison, a fellow entrepreneur. He actually is the founder of Where You Where You From Apparel 718. I'm wearing his uh, 718 t-shirt, I mean hoodie now. Um, Want to hear his journey? And uh, wanna welcome Mr. Fred Smith. What's up, brother? What's happening, Kelsey? How you doing, man? Good to see you. It's been uh-huh. a long time. Long, long time, man. I'm I'm very excited to hear your story and hear your journey, how you got to where you uh you know, from where you're from to how you got to where you are right now being an entrepreneur, uh a dope entrepreneur entrepreneur. I wear this hoodie every day, bro. I wear it to Target. I wear it in the house. You know what I'm saying? The, the only thing I don't do is wear it to sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I kind of, I love what, you know, I love, I'm from Brooklyn, so I love representing Brooklyn. So this hoodie, you know, a simple 718 is enough set. That's all people need to know in terms of where I'm from. So, you know, thank you for creating this uh, dope, dope hoodie and dope um company bro but i want you know people to 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 understand your journey hear your journey so let us let me know like where you from um no pun intended where you grew up where you went to school of course went to howard but what you majored in on you know and just tell the story of how you got to where you are right now well first of all thanks for having me appreciate um being on your show. Um, it's a privilege to um, catch up with you on your show. Um, big fan of yours, always have been. And um, yeah, but um, yeah, I'm Fred Smith, originally from Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, grew up playing basketball as a kid. Um, and once when I started playing basketball, I realized that travel was a strong passion that was within me. Mm. Um, and I say that because I used to get picked up from school, from grade school, every weekend, my cousin and I, and we'll, you know, a car will come pick us up and we'll go straight to either the airport or to the train station and head to New York or we head to Las Vegas, um, Columbus, Ohio. There was just several different basketball tournaments that we used to um, attend every weekend. So, you know, once when I started to go to these different places, meeting different kids with different backgrounds and um, just the vocabulary that other kids from different areas use, I just thought it was so interesting. Mm. And then um, I got into eating, you know, different foods because, you know, some kids had money, others didn't. So, mm. you know, you'll go to their parents' house and they'll cook you shrimp. And instead of iceberg lettuce, you're using arugula. It's like little different things like what that. What cities did you, you travel know? to? Um, you know, for these basketball tournaments. Oh man, you you name it, Washington D.C. As I mentioned, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, um, Utah, Cleveland, Ohio, Philadelphia. Um, how old were you when you were doing all these traveling, playing ball? So, ten years old, I started. Oh wow! Um, but I, yeah, I really got into it around twelve. That's what position really you play, played. by the way? I was a shooting guard, man. Okay. Like the score, man. Okay. I thought you yeah, was a yeah. two guard. I, I didn't. See, I didn't peg as a yeah, point yeah. guard. No, I said a two. Okay. I was a shooting guard as a two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely like to score, but as I got older, 
and players got bigger and stronger. Mm. I had to adjust just my game because I've been the same size. I'm six three, and I've been six three since I was twelve. Yo, so. that's Curry size, though. Dog. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, mm. I don't have Curry skills, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Curry be cooking yeah. on the court. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a great man. But um, yeah, so um, started playing like really competitively at 12 mm. started getting better uh, we started to get nationally ranked and the better you become the more cities that you travel to the mm. more frequently uh college and universities want to see you play so yeah i started playing and that's how i ended up in washington dc um, i initially went to udc i was a firebird played well there and then i decided i wanted to take the journey over to howard because great decision um, I mean, by the way <laughs> You know what? It's actually the best decision mm. I've made to date. Facts. And I say that, yeah, I, I mean, I say that just because of the student body that I was able to come in contact with on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. Um, I was so impressed with the knowledge and the background of the kids that went to Howard, especially the fine arts. Mm. Those are, you know, they were so creative. Right. I'm not a creative type. I can see things and make things better. But I just remember taking a couple of courses over in fine arts and watching them perform. And I was just so impressed with the things they used to come up with. And um, yeah, so Howard, you know, it was an amazing experience. That's how you and I met. Um, what you majored in? What you majored in, Howard? I was a marketing major, man. I was in the okay. School of B. Yeah, you know. School so of B, baby. That's right. Miss Hampton and David Stubbs, Terrence Grady, all those guys, Makari Adams, you know, yes, just, sir. just good people who, and those guys that I just mentioned, you know, their backgrounds are a little different from mine. You know, you know I grew up with a single parent. Mm. My mother did well. However, she had to raise two kids. So it was, it was difficult. We had everything we wanted to have, loving mother, but, you know, they came from, you know, two parent families right. with generation, generations of like, educators and you know physicians and i was just so impressed by seeing other black students who you know had generations of just different things that you just don't see in springfield massachusetts right um, there's just not a lot of wealth there you know there's decent money but there's no wealth mm. so just going to howard was just amazing and then you know i played basketball and we traveled for howard as well you know so right playing and trying to go to school that also, you know, helped the time management skill. So I was able to carry that on into my day-to-day -day life. And um, so far, it's been amazing. So when you graduated from Howard and stopped playing ball, what did you do? Ironically enough, man, as soon as I graduated, I started a, a refurbishing company. And uh, it was me and two other gentlemen. We started refurbishing homes in Washington, D.C. And what we did was we hired all our uh, workers from who just got out of prison mm. and it was a good way to get them acclimated into being, you know, into society, you know, we paid them good money. They worked hard and it was a great experience. Um, How much was there? Well, those, well. It was the houses were around Howard, right? Yeah. All around Howard. Yeah. How Howard, much they were going for back then? Maybe twenty thousand max, you know, three, three, three family homes. Yeah, I'm crying right now because you know those yes. houses are like million dollar houses now, bro. Yeah, I mean it, it's just amazing how 
you know, DC has changed so much. Man, you know, listen. Bike lanes, and there's just so many different things going on. You know, fire pits in the back of people's homes. <laughs> wow, it, luxury, bro. Yeah. Luxury. Yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's incredible to see. But um, yeah, so we started that company. I did that for about 18 months. We did well, but I just got tired of going to Home Depot and Lowe's every day. That wasn't your passion. And, you, know, you were just making money. Nah, from it. you know, bringing in sheetrock and watching guys work. You know, it was it was a good experience, but I just knew deep down the side that um, it wasn't for me. I was doing it. It was great. Um, it paid well as a company. We did well, but it just wasn't for me. So mm -hmm. I decided that I needed change and um, I wanted to go on to something different. And um, I called a friend of mine, Luis Sierra, who was actually trading stocks in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Childhood friend. He was doing well. Started at Smith Barney. And uh, he just decided that, or he thought that I can become a great trader. Well, why did he because, think that? Well, you know, trading is like a fake right, go left mm. type of um, industry. Fake right, so, go left. Elaborate on that, man. Well, that's what, you know, athletes do. You think they're going right, but they're actually going left, you know? Mm. So he knew that I was a, a pretty decent um, athlete, but also, too, I'm a great chess player. That's mm. that's my, my main skill is chess. I love chess. I've been playing since I was probably seven years old. And generally, guys who are chess players are really good traders because mm. chess, you're thinking five, six step ahead of the next person. So Get it. it's kind of like the same skill set. So he knew that. And he told me to come in for the interview. And um, I got the job. And yeah, things started to explode. Like um, my whole life changed just from trading. Like, How did it change? How did it change? More money? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. It was the first time in my life that um, I actually had some real money, was able to do some uh, things that I used to watch other people do growing up. And, you know, I just got used to, you know, new lotion. Um, <laughs> you, know, just, <laughs> you know, that lotion that I only put on my face, I was able to put on my whole body now. You know, it was <laughs> Yo, that's real, man. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, telling you how it was. Um, it was just incredible. And I really enjoyed trading. It was just a, every day was a new day. You had no idea what was going to happen. Mm. Uh, and that was during the time of 9-11. You know, that happened mm. right before the market opened. Yeah, so that right in itself changed the whole market conditions. Right. When uh, Barack Obama became president, that changed market conditions. You know, just so many things that were happening on a day-to-day -day basis during that time of trading. And it just kept you focused because mm. at that moment in time, if you really worked on your craft, your bank account grew. Mm. It was one of those things. So you, it, was a, it was a direct correlation. So nice. I was into it and it was great. Yeah. Yeah, and then you mm -hmm. said um, you did Florida. I think you remember you saying you ended up moving to New York, right? What made you move to New York? Oh, um, man, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, I ended up, I was tired of Boca Raton. Um, All know, old people. <laughs> and I'm joking. Yeah, I was the youngest person in town. <laughs> I was dead true. I was the youngest person in town. So that got tired quick. Um, you know, I found myself playing Uno on a Saturday night. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I never made it out. <laughs> you were washed. You know? <laughs> Yeah, young kid playing Uno, not out, you know, in the clubs or anything. So, you know, the girl that I was dating at the time was also um, a Howard alum. She was in um, New York, 
and it was closer to home, Massachusetts. So it just made sense to go ahead and uh, pack my bags and move to New York. So I asked for a transfer and it was granted. Nice. And yeah. And I've been in New York ever since, you know, nice. with two stints in Europe. Yeah. Nice. So you were, uh, you were trading in New York. Were you living in Brooklyn? I, I started in Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn for a year. And then I went to um, Forest Hills, Queens. What? How the hell you yeah. know? How the hell you well, end up in Forest Hills, Queens, bro? That's like, that's like suburb, not even suburb. That's like, yeah. you know, you settle down and have a family over there. I was the only one without a child. Yeah, wow. Yeah. But two of the guys that I hung out with, um, my manager at the time, Bill Jones, and also another childhood friend, Kim Perkins, they both lived in Forest Hills at the time. Mm. So I just felt that. You know, I might as well just go live by them because those are basically the two guys that I hung out with. So that's um, okay. I'm sure the rent was a little so, cheaper too. Much cheaper, much, wow. much cheaper. Yeah, but it, I mean, it served myself. You know, it served me well. I did it for a few years, and then I ended up moving into Manhattan, and I've pretty much been in Manhattan ever since. Wow. Okay, so yeah. you know, you traded. What what made you stop trading, or did you stop trading? Well, the economy, oh eight, mm. tanked. Mm. A lot of people have short memories about what happened in 08 um, and think this uh, this current climate can't change, you know, and we're seeing what's happening when, you know, you don't have the proper administration mm. taking care of business. So, we you know, we experienced that in 06 through 08 and then, you know, um, Barack Obama came in and changed a lot of things and... Um, one thing he did change was some of the trading conditions, which affected a lot of traders as well. It was mm. great for the um, country, but for traders, it just made it, a, you know, a little harder. So it got difficult for me for about two years, and then I ended up stopped trading in 2010. Wow. And, uh, what did you do after? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do after that, so I just decided to travel the world. Wow. Travel the world. Try. That's a big yeah, statement, bro. You didn't travel to one country. You said, I'm going to travel the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I ended up traveling the world because um, during my trading years, I had stayed in Russia for almost a year and then Poland right after that. For about <laughs> a black dude in Russia and Poland. Wow. How was that experience? Well, I was the official black Russian. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They named the drink after me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, no, the experience was great. Um, I'm actually still really good friends with all the people I came in contact with in um, Russia. Um, it's not what you think. You hear a lot of um, negative things about the country, which I'm sure some things are true. Mm -hmm. But my personal experience was an amazing experience. Mm. I have not one bad thing to say. How did you fit experience. in, you know, in places like Russia and Poland? Um, how did you make your connection and how was like the, you know, the social life? You know, the social life was amazing because, you know, I was, you know, basically the only American black there. There's a tons of Africans there mm. because they're there studying. Africans yeah, in Russia? So, you know, yeah, tons of Africans. Wow. Yeah, yeah, tons. I never see them studying. on. I never see them on TV. You know, in terms of I always yeah. seeing Russian-looking people. You know, my ignorance. My no. ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> my ignorance. I'm so ignorant no. right now. 
No, it's all good, man. But yeah, there's there's tons of Africans there, and you talk to them about their different experiences about being in Russia and mm. certain things like that. Uh, and a lot of it depending on what area of town you live in, which city, whether it was St. Petersburg, mm. Kazan, or Moscow. Every area is different in terms of things you can and cannot do um, as a black citizen in you know the country of Russia. So do you, you, you experience any racism at all? You know. You know, I didn't. I do. I do know. Like at night, um, it wasn't great for me to walk around the streets at night alone. So that's like anywhere, right? <laughs> it's nah, like Brooklyn, there, you know, yeah. right? Old Brooklyn, no, old Brooklyn, right? Not old Brooklyn, Brooklyn, that's right. Brooklyn, not gentrified yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, not bike lane Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but Br- Br- Brooklyn reminds me of Milwaukee these days. You know, <laughs> true <people>. facts. <laughs> Probably because all yeah, the folks that live there is from Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, lost a lot of its character. You know, right. it's all good. It's a great place, though. But yeah, Russia was great, and then I moved on to Poland. Uh, it was a totally different experience. Uh, Poland was more like living in the '80s at that time. Mm. There was not much technology there, and they, they were just behind at the time. Now they're fine. I've been there several times since, um, but I didn't really enjoy Poland like I enjoyed uh, Russia. I thought mm. they would be the same because of the, you know close proximity of mm. one another, but. Um, at the end of the day, it was two totally different experiences, which right. all, you know worked out well. Yeah. Right. And then after that, you know, I came back to New York, and like I told you, started traveling to New Zealand and Asia and various places like that to um, wow, just try to figure out what I was going to do next. Yeah. So 2010, you left, and I think 2010 you traveled the world. 2010, yeah. When did you get back to New York, and how did you? you know, transition, you know, into that non-traveling life once you traveled the world? Well, you know, it was tough, man, because like I said, you know, I wasn't exactly sure what I had wanted to do um, simply because I was an entrepreneur straight out of college. Mm. And then right after that, you know, I started trading. And I knew after travel, I didn't want to go back into the financial world. I did know that, you know, I wanted to explore a different industry, but I wasn't exactly sure what industry that would be. So what I ended up doing was reaching out to my mentor, Brian Banks. And it's interesting because he's only a few years older than me, mm-hmm. but you know, he's an executive and I've always respected his knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I just sat down with him and asked him, you know, to help me guide me into a new arena. And he thought, you know, he has some connections with different companies. And he just asked me, well, was I interested in the hospitality industry and i said i guess i have no idea what's that Mm. Uh, you know hotels or airlines and he says a combination of everything so he made a phone call i got an interview with a company and um i started to get into the hospitality industry and we started doing corporate events like major corporate events in um the new york city area wow how big how big were those events how big were the events oh man the events i mean they start at like 25 all the way up to maybe 5,000 people. Wow. Yeah, so it, it varied, yeah, it varied from uh, big budget events, you know, huh? Event to event. <laughs> oh, yeah, major million dollar events. Wow. Because it was all corporate money, you mm. know, big banks, big, big advertising and marketing firms, local V's, city, you know, uh, just 
Goldman, just you, you name it. But um, did you love so doing, doing events? Action. You know, um, it was different. It was totally different, you know, because you know you're exposed. You're talking to a lot of people. You know, I managed the events, so mm-hmm. several people were talking to me from florists to DJs to staff to chefs to you know you name it you know i was the one who had all the answers so that was different because i'm so used to just trading and just looking at my computer and, and i have to speak to anyone to an industry where i had to talk to everyone so mm. it, it was a little difficult you know initially but you know like anything else you know you get used to it over time mm-hmm. so yeah i was doing that all the way up into covid and once when covid hit another yeah, another another pivot you had to make yeah, man, you know, life is about reinventing yourself. And, um, you know, I always, you know, like that challenge of, you know, reinventing myself. So I've done it several times and I just felt like it was another thing that um, I had to do. So I just had to figure out what that new um, invention was going to be. And that's how I came up with Where Are You From? Wow. You know, it was um, it was an idea I had for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an idea that I came up with it while I was um, trekking through uh, New Zealand. And I figured that I was either going to learn Spanish during COVID or I was going to start the company that I've always dreamed of starting. And I just went with the company route just because. What inspired you to, to, to start this company um, in terms of what inspired the idea? Well, you know, it's funny because, like I said, I was in New Zealand. And I was with a good friend of mine, Andrew, and we were headed into a glow cave. Um, New Zealand has a ton of glow caves, and we were going. What's a glow cave? Glow uh, cave. I'm kind of ignorant. Like. It's just like this dark cave that has like these glow worms that hang. You know. Oh, word. Just go through. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we were walking in, and he had a Boston Celtics shirt on, and this gentleman came up to us and asked where we from America. And we were like, yeah, how'd you know? He said, well, you have a Boston Celtics shirt on. Mm. And I'm from, you know, I'm from Massachusetts. And we were like, oh, we are too. So it just struck up a conversation. And I thought it was so amazing that this guy all the way in New Zealand recognized that, A, we're American. And also, we possibly might have been from New England. And I was like, wow, I wonder how I can come up with an idea that can, you know, pretty much copy that same thought process mm-hmm. of where are you from? But I wanted to make it, you know, more personal, personable for like the smaller cities like the Springfield, Massachusetts of the world, because yes, we are from Massachusetts, but we're not from Boston. Mm. You know, we're from this, a smaller area. So I figured area codes would be the best way mm. to make that distinguish you, that you're from Springfield as opposed to Boston. Right. So there's like a lot of different cities that are like mid to small size cities, like, you know, um, Hartford, Connecticut, West Lafayette, Indiana, right. Henderson, South Carolina. There's all of these cities where they don't have any type of, um, you know, once you step out of that city, you can't represent your own city mm. in any other way. You can represent the state, but you can't represent the city. So I figured that it would be a great idea to come up with something that, you know, mid to small size cities can, you know, appreciate and um, represent their cities while they're traveling the world. And I came up with the whole area code idea and um, here we are today. So, okay. All right. All right. Uh, so this is the idea you had. How did you get it, get it off the ground in terms of what did you do first? And 
and second and third and whatnot? Well, first and foremost, I had just had to figure out which direction I had wanted to go. Did I want to go with t-shirts? I want to go with hats, sweatshirts, long sleeve tees, colors. Um, did I want to do drop shipping? Did I want to just do screen printing? There was just a various different things that I had to jot down and figure out. So, you know, started Googling and, and reading. Mm. And I did that for about a month straight every night. And I just kept, you know, gathering more and more information. And I decided I would start with the black t-shirt because all I wear is black. Mm. So I figured it would represent myself. And um, yeah, I went with the black t-shirt with the area code and it just kept growing. And uh, people from all over the world wanted to see colors. They wanted to see, you know, sweatshirts, hats, and, you know, various products. So I decided to expand the brand once when it became global. Wow. So what's, how long did it take from inception to it becoming a global brand? 90 days, man. It didn't take long at all. Is it because of COVID everything happened so quickly? You know, I'm sure COVID has something to do with it because everyone's home. People are shopping online. Um, There's various different elements that, you know, helped it become like a perfect storm for me. Um, I know people, you know, all around the world. I have people, you know, in different Oh, countries. nice. So they were kind of yeah. like your ambassadors, huh? Exactly, exactly. You know, so they're helping me out in various countries on the ground. So mm-hmm. it helps get the word out. Once the people, it's a product, you know, to be totally honest with you, once when you see it, people know me like, I need one of those. Because mm. you know, people, like you said, you wear yours all the time because, you know, you represent in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. You know? so I'm the same way. You know, I wear mines all the time. I have, you know, various, you know, products that I do wear. But basically, it's either 413 or I wear, you know, the 212 mm-hmm. for, you know, Manhattan. Yeah. Wow. So 90 days for it to be a global <laughs> global brand. So, uh, you know, what's next? You know, how do you see this brand growing and scaling? And, you know, what are you going to do? What's your vision for it? You know, um, we're still, it's still early, it's still a baby. Um, what we're trying to do basically right now is just keep improving on the actual product itself. Uh, we keep our ears to the street in terms mm. of listening to what consumers want. Uh, we're big on, you know, constructive criticism, um, likes and dislikes about anything from Instagram to our Facebook postings to our sweatshirts to our hats so you know i'm not exactly sure where we're gonna be you know three four years from now hopefully it'll be something amazing where you know it's familiar with everyone um but right now you know we're just focusing on bettering the product getting the brand out there so people can see it you know in terms of marketing and advertising and um we're just gonna you know let it let it let it grow you know organically Right. How um how did you um market? What's your major form of marketing? Um, right now, uh, word of mouth is you know definitely has been the strongest. But um, Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, Google, like all the regular channels that most um people use. I think Facebook has actually been the best mm. in terms of um, you know, outside of you know, instead of like Instagram and social media and stuff, Facebook for some reason I don't know if it's because people look at the page longer. Because mm. uh, I did my homework on that, people um, actually stay on a page of Facebook a lot longer than mm. they do on Instagram. Instagram is like one to two seconds. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the analytical uh, analysis on uh, people's landing times, this is the landing time in, on Facebook is much longer than Instagram. So what, I, what we try to do is promote much heavier on Facebook just because people are actually paying attention a little more to the uh, sponsor nice. ads as opposed to Instagram. And like, you know, like I said, like you said, you know, COVID probably have something to do with it because people, a lot of people are home right now shopping online. I know when when the pandemic first happened and lockdown happened, I bought so many stuff that appeared in my uh, my Instagram. Like I bought some clippers. I bought what else? I bought I bought some for my for for the calluses of my foot. (laughs) It's all kind of random stuff I was buying. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> so I could imagine, you know, people That's seeing, hilarious. you know, and it's practical, right? It's it's not too much. It's mm-hmm. pr- you know, it's practical. It's comfortable. And like you say, you start off a t-shirt. Uh, now it's the winter time, so everyone is all it's hoodie season. So yo, it just makes a lot of sense, man. Sure. Yo, man. Okay. All right. Gonna yeah, wind. You know, it's go ahead. Go ahead. No, so it's been great, man. You know, like I said, um, you know, it, it's our ears uh, to the streets. We listen to our consumer and whatever people want, you know, we try to make happen. Um, you know, it becomes difficult just because, you know, once when people know that you are listening, they ask for more. Mm. But, you know, we don't mind that. You know, we, we just want to be known for customer service and, um, my background now is hospitality and hospitality is all about customer service. Mm-hmm. So I understand how important it is to keep people happy. All right. Yo, man, listen, I'm just following your journey. Single, single parent family, you know, traveling the state and the world, you know, you started in real estate, then you went to trading and then you um, went to hospitality and now you're starting this entrepreneurial endeavor. I mean, you don't seem to have any, any restrictions in terms of what you could do um why is that you know why is it is it because of traveling that you you know that kind of like you have like a limitless point of view you know what no the foundation came from my mother and also from basketball Mm. you know um you know i've been known to surround myself by solid people uh i have a great group of friends um I have several mentors that I look up to who I respect and, you know, travel has just really opened me up to the world. Um, the world is a lot bigger than the U S um, and people from, you know, different backgrounds, you know, you just learn so much from people that are just, that are not like you. Mm. Um, and it becomes interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing I've always said to the younger generation, just get out there and get around some people that are not like you. Mm. Not like your neighbor, not like your cousin, you know, because you'll learn so much because it's so different. Everyone's the same. Everyone pretty much wants the same thing. Mm. Healthy, have a couple of bucks so you can provide for your family and just be happy. Um, right. And I think once you, you know, once you begin traveling globally, you just understand that these people here want the exact same thing. Right. And um, right. so, yeah, that is between them. All right. Well, I'm sorry. And I was gonna say one question, one more question, Cabrado, as we wind down. There's probably a lot of people listening to this who's, you know, on a nine to five, they're not necessarily happy and they want they may have some business ideas and they may want to travel the world like you like you have. You know, 
how what would you recommend you know they do in terms of getting all that get over that fear of you know not having a nine to five check uh you know well, you know, that's always the toughest part is the fear. And a lot of people are, you know, they're just used to that check, um, that steady check that comes once a week. But that limits you. That limits your thinking uh, because a lot of times you're at work all day long. By the time you come home, you're tired. Mm. You know, and if you have a family or if you go to the gym, it just takes up all your time and now the day is gone. And you can't focus on your, you know, what you, your next part of life, the next chapter, whatever that next chapter is going to be, whatever your passion is, whatever your hobby is. So it's tough to put the type of time that you need to. So, you know, what I would recommend is when you get home from work while you're tired or even on the weekends, just start plugging away, doing your homework and just focus on, you know, whatever your, your real passion is and just keep putting more and more time and on your downtime and you just have to sacrifice. You're going to be tired. But once you start getting a little traction and seeing results, it will certainly um, help you put more energy and time into whatever your new endeavor might be. I could see that. I could see the more research you do, the more, you know, realistic it's going to start looking because you've done your homework and you research, you know, the possibilities. You know, what if I did this? What if I did that? You know what I'm saying? So that's really dope advice. Yo, man, yo, appreciate you sharing your journey. Um, oh, man. man, good luck with this endeavor. Like I said, I'm in love with my hoodie. I might have to hip you up for a couple more. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You know, this is mine. It's gotten a little faded, you know, but I love it because it it, it looks vintage. So, yeah, you, know, absolutely. you know what I'm saying? So good absolutely. luck with where you're from. Apparel. How can people buy a hoodie or a hat or a T-shirt um, that represent their hood? Um, where are you from dot us? Uh, where are you from dot us? Or on Instagram and Facebook, it's where are you from apparel? And it's all spelled out. There's no um, R is A R E and not R. Everything is spelled out. Where are you from apparel on Instagram and Facebook? Where are you from dot us on the internet? Yo, bro, thank you for sharing your journey, man. Uh, I think people hearing your story, and I love, like, how you didn't limit yourself. You you were, you know, you were all over the place, you know. But it seemed like you always land, you know, in somewhere dope. And so thanks for sharing. I think it's going to be a very inspiration to a lot of people who hear us. Um, well, thanks for having me, man. Um, it's, it's people like you who help, you know, get the word out. And I appreciate the love and um Thank you so much, and uh, happy holidays. Yo, happy holidays, yo. It's like two days before Christmas. This may come out a little bit, you know, I'm trying to get it out before Christmas, but it may come out around the new year. So um, thank you, man. And, yo, please go support my man Fred Smith, where you from, .us, where you from apparel at Instagram and Facebook. Yo, support it. It's affordable. It's cozy. It's vintage. You can have this... You know, these hoodies and these T-shirts and this hat for, like, years and years and years. So, man, it's a dope product. Guys, support the black businesses as well. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Fred, for sharing your journey. And uh, thank you for listening to another great episode of Reverse Ambition Podcast. I hope you found it enjoyable, inspiring, and uplifting. Please remember to subscribe so you could be notified when another amazing episode 
is released. You could do so via SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. One last thing. It's never too late to take a leap of faith to follow your dream and passion. You can always leap back. So go ahead. Take that leap. Peace.